And there's Loving on the Losing Side, a lovely track from Tommy Hunt from 1976. And live on the line from, uh, well, I would say America, but you're a UK resident, the legend that is Tommy Hunt. Tommy, welcome to Radio Newark. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. And how are you, Adrian? I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Great, Um, great. Now... Tommy, uh, you're uh, well-known in the UK and very well-loved. Uh, you've lived here for, um, I don't know, 40 years, probably? I think a little bit longer than that, Adrian. I think about 50. Wow. Fantastic. You must like it. Excellent. Mind you, it's a nice place to be, isn't it? It is lovely, Adrian. I have never found more happiness than I found than I found here. I found so much. Lovely. But, of course, uh, we can tell by your accent you were actually born, um, well, stateside, Pittsburgh, to be precise. That's right. That's right. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Fantastic. Um, now, people know you as Tommy, but that's not your Christian name, is it? No, it's not. You, you were born Charles James. How, what, Charles what? James Hunt. Why the yes. change? How, how did Tommy come about? Well, that was in school. Uh, some of my schoolmates, you know, when I was in high school, a lot of the the kids, the girls and the boys, both of them said, you, you, don't, you don't fit the name Charles. I said, why? They said, because you're a hooligan. <laughs> <laughs> they said, you need, you need a, 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 a hip name. They used to call it a hip name. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, what's a hip name? They said, well, you know, a shorter name. And I said, well, what do you think you would call me? They said, something like uh, Jimmy. I said, well, my name is James. They said, yeah, but we don't like James, so we don't want Jimmy. Well, maybe something like Tommy. And they said, yeah, Tommy might be nice. And it just stuck with me all these years. Fantastic. Um, I mean, you say uh, they they described you as a bit of a hooligan. You were a bit of a, um, well, an active boy, weren't you? A typical boy. Yes, I was. Yes, I was. um, I was a happy kid. Absolutely. And uh, rather than, I mean... Your love for performing sort of distracted you away from academia because you were you were um, you were performing and practicing from a very young age, weren't you? Well, I, yeah, I've been singing all my life ever since I was very very young. I would say about around eight or nine years old, I started singing. Yeah, and uh, you know, I used to uh, sell newspapers and things like that to get money to buy records that I liked, so I could learn them. You know, in case that uh, one day I might be a singer, I could sing the songs of the past that I love so much. Yeah. And I still love the songs of the past. Excellent. So, um, I mean, what sort of music were you buying? Is it doo-wop? Well, in those days, it was uh, more or less a swing or a blues. Right. Yeah. Or even even uh, religious. Oh, right. Lovely. Bit yeah, of gospel. Yes. Yeah. Even uh, religious. I used to like uh, the... There were religious groups that were uh, going around at the time, and they would they would do songs that today you call it rap music. All right. Well, they were doing songs that were similar to rap, but only with a melody. All right, I see. So uh, I picked up on that, and I started. My mother used to say, are you going to lay there on the floor all day long and learn songs? And I said, that's what I want to do, Mom. Fantastic. Uh, it's always been sister, in your blood, hasn't it? Sis, my sister's always says, condemn me and said, oh, you'll never be a singer. <laughs> and I said, well, you'll see, you'll see. I kept it in my head and in my mind and in my heart, and I just kept going at it. And today I have not lost the, the passion for it. Mm. Yeah. I've got the same passion I had when I was a kid. Well, I mean, that that comes through in your performances. Saw you recently at, um, at Butlins in Skegness, and uh, you were obviously having just as much fun as the audience were having um, listening to your performances. I was, Brilliant. I always have fun. 
Anyway, but, you know, it, but what I found in England, you know, it was is magic. That's all I can say about England. It's a great country, great people, and it's a pleasure and an honor to work with people that appreciate you so much. Lovely, thank you. Um, so back to a ten-year-old Tommy Hunt. You moved to Chicago, and yes, um, right. and uh, yeah. as a as a teenager, you uh, you joined a band or formed your own band. Tell me about um, tell me about the Five Echoes. The Echoes, uh, well, we were just some kids. Um, my mother owned a little small restaurant, we a chili restaurant. Right. And uh, uh, these guys uh, lived around the, ch- the, the restaurant, and uh, I met them through my mother's restaurant. And um, they all liked to sing, and I liked to sing. And they, one, one of the, the bass singers said to me, why don't we form a group? I said, well, well, what are we going to do? What kind of songs are we going to sing? He said, well, we'll hear like guys like the Orioles, uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, what was it? Other t- uh, ink spots. The ink spots, yeah. the Mills brothers. And he said, we sing songs like that. And so, um, we got together and, uh, formed a group and then we had to find a name and, um, uh, I think it was the lead singer, Count Sims, who says, I got a great name. And I said, what's that? He said, The Echoes. And I said, oh, that is nice. So we kept the name The mm-hmm. Echoes, but we were only small fries. We we weren't doing anything national no. or, or, or big in a big way. Mm-hmm. Just bars and clubs. we got one record out right. called Lonely Mood. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, did, it, it did well around Chicago, but, it, you know, not nationally. So it got our name going around Chicago, so that just helped us to get more little, little uh, tiny gigs and stuff like that, and weddings and stuff like that. Yeah. And, uh, um, and it also brought uh, the attention of, uh, of the, another group, the, didn't it, the Flamingos? The Flamingos. Because mm. they the needed Flamingos a replacement singer. the club one night that was called the Beige Room. Mm-hmm. It was underneath a hotel called the Pershing Hotel, where we were working during a night there. And uh, two of the boys of the Flamingos came in, and they called me over to their table and right. uh, were telling me um, that they were interested in uh, having me with the group because a couple of their guys were going into the armed forces. Yeah. And they'd be in there for two years, and when they came out, then I would have to leave the group. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, start all over again but it gave me a chance to be with a national group yeah and i maybe i could help my group through through being with the flamingos yeah uh, well i mean the so, flamingos uh, my group told me to go ahead and and do it you know what i mean because i didn't want to leave them you know what i mean because mm-hmm. we were like a family yeah and I says, no, fellas, I don't want to leave you guys. They said, no, Tommy. He said, go, because if you meet people, then you might can help us. Yeah. So I thought that was a great idea. So I went with the Flamingos, and um, the first job I never will forget where we worked we work with Elvis Presley wow. in Canada uh, at, the, at the Casino Theater in Toronto, Canada. Mm-hmm. Did you get and, to meet him? Uh, I spoke to Elvis. I went to his dressing room and spoke to him. Yeah. And uh, I told him I was with the, a new boy with the flamingos, but he said he didn't know the flamingos from uh, no. the robin. No. So 
he just said, well, come into my dressing room. And we sat there, and we talked for about maybe about five five minutes because uh-huh. we both were getting ready for the show. But he says, I'm glad I met you. He said, you're a nice guy. And I says, well, I said, so are you. I said, and you got a nice hit record out called, the hot- uh, what is it, a hotel? Heartbreak uh, Hotel. Heartbreak Hotel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, I love that song. I said, but you sound like you're singing like a, a colored man. I didn't use the word black. Yeah. I said, colored. And he said, well, that's where I learned how how to sing like you guys. He mm-hmm. said, because I used to go around to these nightclubs in uh, New Orleans and in my hometown. And uh, I used to just stand at the door and listen to them singing when they were doing their shows, you know what I mean, like yeah. blues and stuff like that. He said, and I loved it so much. He said, I just took up on it and uh, started doing it myself. Fantastic. I said, well, you do a heck of a great job on this. <laughs> I said, because I thought you were colored when you were singing Heartbreak Hotel. Yeah. And he said, well, thanks to you guys, you gave me a style. Great stuff. I said, well, well, thanks for doing our music, and thanks for being a nice guy, and I hope we see each other again. He said, we will. We'll see each other again, and I never saw him after oh, that. Oh, bless. We it's, went up to the top in no time, and we were still climbing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you did have um, a couple of hit records, though, didn't you, as the Flamingos? Oh, yeah, uh, with the Flamingos. Only, only Have Eyes we For You, and another lovely track called Ladder of Love. Let's have a listen to that. We had, that was I think big. we had about three or four hit records. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so one or two of them, not big as, big as uh, I Only Have Eyes For You. Yeah. Uh, and then we had a hit with, uh, a little bit of a hit with uh, Nobody Loves Me Like You Do. Right. And uh, we had a hit with, uh, what L- was it? Ladder one? of Love? Uh, Ladder of Love, that was a hit. Oh, uh, I know, I'll Be Home. Mm. Right. And and uh Kiss from Your Lips, we had a small hit with that. So we had a few few hits. Lovely. So, but uh only have eyes for you when we got with uh in records in New York, mm-hmm. uh George Goldner, uh, the the owner of the record company told us that he'd like to see us do some evergreen songs and so I didn't know what evergreen yeah. meant at the time. And he said, "Evergreen songs are songs that, like uh, Gershwin, yeah, uh, th- those old-time writers, yeah, the, the were, standards were writing. Yeah. yeah, the old stuff, like Nat King Cole mm-hmm. would sing, or uh, or uh, who else was it in those days? Um, I don't think Frank Sinatra. Yeah, Frank Sinatra was was in that too. So, mm-hmm. so we started. He, we he said, I got a song for you. He says." Uh, only have eyes for you. Have you ever heard it? I heard of it, but uh, Flamingos said, said no, we never heard of it. I said, well, I have. I've sing, sung it before. Yeah. And um, so uh, he gave us the melody, and we went back to the hotel in New York to rehearse it. And we were trying to figure out because we were singing it. They well, they were singing a different type of music than this one, so it was new to them, but it wasn't new to me. So we're sitting on the, I was sitting on the bed, and the other fellows were sitting around the room, and we were trying to think of ideas to come up with. And I started thinking of an idea. I started think, singing to myself, do bop do bop And the lead singer said, what are you singing, Tommy? I said, oh, just an idea. And uh, he said, try it again. So I did it again. 
And he said, wait a minute now. He said, he told the fellas, let's try that in harmony. Right. So we all started singing, and it started sounding really nice, really, really smooth. And uh, the, the spokesman of the group, Zeke Carey, he said to us, he said, we're going to keep that. Okay. Now, let's see which way we go after we do that. Then then everything came together with after the do-up chihuahua, we went into a pool harmony thing behind the, the lead singer. And uh, we we got the song within within about... I would say an hour, hour and a half, we had the song. So we took it back in to sing it to Mr. Gershwin, not Gershwin, uh, George Goldner yeah. in the record company, and uh, we sang it, and he said, fantastic. He said, you guys have hit it. He said, you're going you're gonna to make a hit on this. And I said, oh, no, we won't. It's only an old an old song from years ago, and uh, who's going to buy that in this time now, an era where music is so different, you know, because mm-hmm. you, had, you had rock and roll coming yeah. up, you had rhythm and blues, you had blues and, uh, and the jazz, and, you know, you had so many different types of music. And so we did the song, and uh, no, before we knew it, we had a smash. Lovely. Uh, a smash record, and it's still selling today. Wow. Right, let's have a listen to that then. I Only Have Eyes For You, coming next. Excellent. Still selling. Still uh, selling. So That's ni- what amazes me. <laughs> well, good music is timeless, isn't it? It is timeless. <clears throat> timeless. It is timeless. So, 1960 came along, and you parted company with the Flamingos and I went solo. With them be, I parted with them, Adrian, because I'll tell you a small story. Mm-hmm. Part of the, most of the guys, there was five of us. No, I'm sorry, there were six of us. Okay. But three of the guys in the group, no, I'll say four. Four, yeah, four of the guys in the group were black Jews. Right. Jewish. They were, that was their religion. Uh-huh. And they were the owners of the group names. So right. we, the, me and uh, me and the lead singer, we were the Gentiles in the uh-huh. group, and they were trying to convert us into Judaism. Judaism. Right. But I didn't understand what Judaism was, and neither did the lead singer. So we didn't want to change our religion, which was Baptist. Mm-hmm. We kept telling them that you know we can't do that because we don't understand it. And I think they got a little bit, uh, the lead, the the leader, Zeke, who was the spokesman of the group, I think he was a little bit perturbed about it. Right, right. And then they started, like, um, they started not picking on the lead singer because they needed his voice. We all sang lead, but his voice was the one that stood out on the song. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. And... Because I was one of the, that was the quietest in the group, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Easy to And they always thought that my quietness was uh, being antisocial. Right. I said, no, I'm just quiet. And uh, they just kept picking at me and picking at the lead singer and everything. And I told Zeke one day, I said, with all the dancing and the singing now that I do in the group, I, I, I tried to put my little part into the group to make it better 
and uh, because uh, Zeke is one of the ones that went into the service right. when I took over. And when he came back from the service, uh, Paul, the other dancer with me, that we both danced together, we had, we had formed such a different group from the time he went into service mm -hmm. and came out. And when he came out, uh, Paul said, well, I want to keep Tommy in because Tommy is good for the group. So Paul came to my room and says we had a discussion, uh, uh, the, the rest of the fellas, because uh, I was packing to go back to Chicago okay. and join the Echoes. And they said, well, we don't want you to go. Paul said, you're not going anywhere. You're still with, you're, you're now a true flamingo. And I said, oh, thank you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I had to call the Echoes and tell them that I was permanently with the flamingos. Okay. But they had been all right because they had already found a play guy to take my place. Okay. You knew him. Uh, what was his name? I don't know. Um, oh, uh, little uh, James Taylor. All right. James Taylor took my place. And uh, 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 so now I'm with the group, and uh, this is when I started really getting picked on by the, the spokesman, Mrs. Zeke Carey, mm -hmm. and his cousin Jake. And I told Zeke one day, I said, Zeke, I'm going to leave the group if you don't stop picking on me. Yeah. And he says, well, who are you going to go with? You can't sing. You you, you can't do anything without us. <laughs> right. And I says, well, that's something I have to find out for myself. And uh, one day I got so mad, I said to myself, that's it. And I never went back to him. I just left. I didn't say goodbye to him. I didn't say nothing. I just left. Right. I disappeared. Well, and it's their loss because it only took three days for you to get picked up by another record company, didn't it? By Septuaglio. And here's one such song on New York's Septuaglio label. This is Work Song. So you were a free agent for just three days. Wow. Three hmm. days after I left them, I was sitting in the bar on Broadway and uh, I got this tap on my shoulder, and I turned around and looked, and this guy said, you're Tommy Hunt. I said, yeah. He said, you were at the Flamingos. I said, yeah. I said, I said, you said you were. I said, how did you know I was away from them? He said, oh, it run, it goes in the grid, through the grid. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I said, yeah, well, I left him. And he says, well, are you still interested in singing? I said, of course I am. He said, Can, do you think you could do a solo career? I said, yes, I do. And he said, well, would you be interested in joining uh, another record company? I says, well, which, which record company is that? And he says, Scepter One. Well, they were quite and a I big concern in New York, weren't they? They were pretty, they were pretty big. Yeah. They had the Shirelles, Chuck Jacks, yeah. B.J. Thomas, Dion Warwick, <laughs> me. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Maxine Brown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they had all of them. And um, the Shirelles. Yep. And the Shirelles had was was making hip the Shirelles and Chucks were I think the biggest acts on there. Mm -hmm. And Dion. Yeah. Dion Warwick. And uh I said yes, sir. so I asked him which company and he told me and, he, and I says who do you have on your label that, you know, that has a name and he said, Well you must have heard of Chuck Jackson. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, you mean uh, 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 I Don't Want to Cry? Yeah. He said, yeah. He said, well, that's our record. And he said, and you heard of the Shirelles? And I said, 
Oh, what was that song they had out at the time? Not Soldier, not Soldier Boy. No. Um, oh, uh, Mama said or something. I can't remember. I'm not uh, big yeah, on trills. Yeah, Mom. I think what Mama said. There were days like this. Oh yeah, there I were know. days like this. Yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, I said, oh yeah. I'm definitely interested in knowing they had these stars on their on their on their payroll. So I went by to the. We, he took me to the to the state to the company. Mm-hmm. I walked into the office. Now the, the 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 woman that owned the office, her name was Florence Greenberg. Right. And I walked into her. This guy took me into her office, and the first thing that came out of her mouth before I even said hello to her, nice to meet you, she said to Luther Dixon, the guy that took me in there. We don't need any more male singers. We got Chuck. Yeah. So I was out before I was in. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Luther turned around and says, well, I want Tommy on the label. And she says, well, as if you want him, and I think at the time there was a hot thing going on between those two. Okay. And uh, I, I, I was just standing there looking and I looked at Luther as if to say, what did I do? I didn't even say hello yet. <laughs> I, said, I, I didn't even got my foot in the door yet. And he said, don't worry, Tommy. He says, you're going to be on the label. So he took me into his office, and he played. He says, I want you to listen to a couple of songs. He said, you tell me what you think. And he played Parade of Broken Heart. Right. And I listened to it, Adrian, I listened to it two times. No, three times I listened to it. And I said, Luther, I said, if you don't mind me saying, I said, I'm not being offensive or anything. I said, but that's not me. That's not what I, that's mm-hmm. not the way I want to sing. And he says, well, Tommy, it's a, it's a number one record. I said, Luther, it would be a number one record if it was for the voice the voice for the song. Yeah. I said, my voice is not for that song. He said, well, listen to this other one first before you make up your mind. And he played a song called Human. Mm-hmm. And I jumped up. I, when I heard the first three lines, I jumped up. I said, that's me. Great. Let's have a listen to that. And Human was it, actually the B-side, wasn't it, on, on the official release? It was, a B, it was supposed to be the B-side. Human was the B, the B side, and uh, Parade of Broken Hearts was the A side. Uh-huh. So, um, but Luther was convinced that Parade of Broken Hearts was the song. So, but what happened was when we made the song, I still felt Human was the hit. Yeah. And uh, a DJ out of New Jersey called Jocko, he was playing my record for the first time or the second time. Mm-hmm. And what he had done, because he was such a fast talker over the radio, and everybody, all the teenagers loved him. Right. He said, ladies and gentlemen, here's a new song by Ex-Flamingo, Tommy Hunt, now doing his, on his solo act now. And uh, I think he's got a big one here, a very big one. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's hear the man himself. I remember his words, and he what he had done is he had put the wrong side on. Right. And it was human. He was, and he thought it was Parade of Broken Hearts. Yeah, yeah. 
And when the song finished, the te- his telephone was ringing. Lighting up, yeah. Who was, play that again. Who was that? Who was that? And my record went up the charts. Brilliant. And, and, and Luther called me while I was at home one day, and he said, Tommy, you know, we got a hit. I said, what? Pray to Broken Hearts. But I already knew. <laughs> I didn't want to take his glory away from him because <laughs> he thought he knew. He said, he said, no, man, didn't I tell you it would be human? Ah. I said, you never told me that, <laughs> Luther. I said, you always said it was pray to broken heart. <laughs> I said, but look, let's be happy. We got a hit with it. You one of them. Yeah, and that was the first of several, wasn't it, at uh, Scepter Wand? Y- yep, yep. Well, here's another. From 1963, this is I Am A Witness. Didn't you also have the, the original recording of um, I Just Don't Know What To Do With Myself? Yeah, that was Burt Backrack and yeah. uh, Hal David that um, came over to Scepter and said we'd like to get Tommy to sing this song because mm. they were writing all the songs for Dion Warwick, you know, and Dion's yeah. songs were hitting one after another. Everything they did for her, they, yeah. they hit. So I'm so I was honored that they picked me for their ballads. Absolutely, a ballad. But they took it on the strength of human. Yeah. But when I heard the song, Adrian, when I heard, I just don't know what to do with myself. I told, I told uh, um, uh, the, the writers, uh, Bert Bach, Bert Yeah. I told him. I said, listen. Bert, I says, I, like I told Luther, I said, this is a lovely song. I said, but it's not me. Mm. And he said, Tommy, I, I know, and I couldn't argue with him because he had all these hits with Dion yeah, Warwick. So I said, okay, I'll try to do it. And I did it. And I'm so glad that the song was such a lovely song. It was a lovely song. But I thought it was for a girl. Yeah. And Lucky, uh, what's her name? Uh, what's her? Um, oh, Dion Warwick. Dusty Springfield, Dusty Springfield came along to yeah. New York, and her manager heard it. And her manager said, we'd like to redo this with, with Dusty Springfield. Yeah. So I guess Burt Backrack and them realized that when I told them the song wasn't for me, that they realized it, the song was must be for some uh, girl singer. Yeah. And Dusty did a great job on she it. Did. She did. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Which I knew that I knew it from the beginning. Mm. Um, you became a regular performer at the Apollo, the legendary Apollo. I mean, yes, I'm a, I, did anybody tell you I just got a call not so long ago no? from somebody said that they were in the po- Apollo Theater just recently. Oh, wow. And my picture is on both sides of the wall. That's, aren't you the only I artist to have... Too. Aren't uh, you the only artist to appear twice on the Apollo wall, on the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I'm, I'm on twice. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I, said, uh, I said, I don't know how I did all of that. So what was it like singing at the, at the Apollo? I mean, everybody knows it's a legendary venue, but, um, I mean, you, it, were, you were on stage alongside the other artists, and your contemporaries yeah, with Jackie it, Wilson? I did it with Mustang, must, uh, must, uh, what, what was his name? Wilson Pickett. Wilson Pickett, uh, yeah. Roy Hamilton, Jackie Wilson, James Brown, all of the doo-wop groups, yeah. I work with them all, the platters, the, the lot of them. I mean, that must have been such a wonderful time. It was, it was more than wonderful, but you don't think it's as wonderful until now, now these until days. Until it's gone, yeah, you looking go back. back into your memory box. 
Brilliant. They were fantastic. In fact, I spoke to Bobby Shipman. Right. Now, Bobby Shipman was, uh, her, his father is was the owner, a Jewish man, okay. who owned the Apollo. And Bobby told me the last time I spoke to him, and that was in his older years and in my older years, I found his address and his number, and I called him just to say, hey, are you still living? So am I. How are you? <laughs> yeah. And he told me something. He said, Tommy, back in the old days, he says, I never told you. He said, but you were my favorite singer in Brilliant. the hollow. That's, that's, that's quite why accolade. I was in there so much. Yeah. And that was something to hear before. I think he's passed on now. All but, right. But I heard it from his lips after all these years. Wow. Now that I say that that's that's praise indeed when you look at the artists that have been through those doors. That been through those doors. Wow. It, it was it was something to see, you know what I mean? In the time that it's happening, you don't think like that. No, it's when no. you get older and you realize th- th- what you had been walking through and walking on stages so many years that th- that stage would be one of the most important stages of my life. Yeah, yeah. But if you're banging out tracks like this, there's little wonder. So, 1969, you decided to venture across the pond then, and you relocated to Europe. I, I, well, I met, a, I met a, uh, an Australian uh, uh, guy that brought me to Germany in 1967. All right. And he, and he told me, I was doing the army bases, and he told me, he says, if you ever want to come over here, Tommy, you know, and you need somebody to look after your business, he said, I'd love to, to have you on my books. Uh-huh. I said, well, I'll remember that, you know. And uh, I went back. That was, 19, like I said, 1967. And in 1969, on my birthday, I decided I'm going back to Europe. I, 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 don't, feel, I don't feel that love that I had for America. Right. I just felt, you know, I felt I was on the outside looking in instead of being on the inside looking out. Okay. And I just felt it's time for me to make a move. And I just packed my bags. I didn't say goodbye to anybody then. I just <laughs> packed my bags and I disappeared. I knew everybody would think I was dead or under the the streets uh, in the cement somewhere oh, because, right. <laughs> because I'd worked with the mafia yeah. so many times in their clubs that everybody thought that I was a part of the mafia, but yeah. I wasn't. You're going to end up with some a, concrete I was slippers. Just a little singer. Mm. So I've been through some things in my life. Lovely. So how did you find uh, Europe compared to America then? Was it a, a new lease of life? Was it too, well, so different? I, I found air to breathe. Mm. There's a I lot of space, like isn't there? I, I, felt, I felt something different. I, I felt something... I don't know if... I, yeah, I could say I found something cleaner. Mm. Especially when I came to England, because Germany, I got stuck there because the guy that I was looking for, he had left, and what he had done is is moved his offices to England. Oh, right. And I was stranded in Germany, (laughs) because I didn't know where he was. And it was a young young, uh, English girl that, uh, her name was Penny, Mm -hmm. and she was in a dancing troupe. 
and I was doing an army base, and her troop was on the show with me. And I found out that my the guy I was looking for was in England, and I asked her if she would look him up for me and tell him that I'm stranded in Germany. Right. And uh, she found him, and he called me and said, what are you doing there? I said, well, you told me if I ever need somebody to come back, and I thought you'd still be here in Frankfurt. Uh-huh. He said, oh, no, I moved away from there. I said, well, I, I, I said, I'm here, and I'm stranded, and I don't know how I'm going to get get where you're at. I said, because I don't have any money. Uh-huh. And he says, he said, well, Tommy, he says, you got to find a way to get over here. I said, well, can't you send for me or something? He says, he said, he said, well, I'm a, a new agent here. Well, he gave me a lot of a, r- yeah. a rundown, but I didn't believe what uh-huh. he was saying anywhere. But he was my only chance of doing something here in England. So um, I asked a friend of mine from the armed forces if he would, uh, if he would uh, get me out of Germany and get me to England. He said he would drive me to England if I could get out of the hotel. Well, I was getting ready to be put in jail because I didn't have money to enough to pay for the hotel bill. Right. And, uh, and I was really stuck. And I had to put the night manager of the hotel to sleep with sleeping pills so that I could sneak out the hotel. So the guy came and picked me up. I got out the hotel, and he, as he's picking me up in the car park next door of the hotel, the police drive up. Right. And the, I said, oh, God, now what? I'm, I'm in some more trouble. So I was thinking fast. I said, we're looking for a certain, certain hotel, which I saw the name of that hotel out near the airport. And he said, no, no, it's the airport, airport. So I said, oh, wrong hotel. And he said, okay. He said, uh, you go to airport. That's where hotel. Okay. I said, yes, sir. Thank you, Dr. Shun. And <laughs> uh, uh, me and my friend got in the car and we drove. But we didn't go to the airport. We went to another hotel yeah. in Wiesbaden. I called home to my family and told them I was stuck in Germany. And could they lend me some money until I got into England? Mm-hmm. They sent me a thousand dollars. Wow, that was uh, a fair amount of money. It, it was Western Union. They sent me this over uh, within, uh, I'd say, three or four hours. I got the money. So I, we stayed in the hotel, me and my friend. The next morning, we got up very early, got in the car, and we drove off. So on our way to uh, Belgium, we got to the German. Uh, um, what is it, border, yeah. and uh, I am I was scared to death because I knew that there would be an APB out on me <laughs> from the hotel. I knew yeah, that I was scared. Adrian, I was shaking like a leaf. <laughs> I was shaking like a leaf. And my friend said, you can't be shaking, Tommy. You have to look natural. Yeah. I said, how can I look natural when I just did what I did? I said, and I didn't want to do that. He said, well, Tommy, sometimes you get in those fixes, you can't help but mm-hmm. do something if you want to save yourself. I said, yeah, I know that. I said, but I'm going to send the money back that I owe to this guy. I said, because I don't want him to lose his job, and I don't want them to think that I snuck out. Yeah. Like some, some like petty little, uh, yeah. you know what I mean, guy yeah. using hotel rooms just to stay overnight and then sneaking out. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, you're a nice guy. Won't expect anything less. We're going to come right back with another one of your great tracks. Mm-hmm. 
And there's Tommy Hunt with I Need a Woman of My Own from 1967. So, Tommy, you were telling me about relocating to England. So, um, the, we got to the border, and I'm scared to death because the guy in the border house, he came out, and he was, he was a soldier, and he looked at me. And it was like, I thought he, the, the look he gave me must have been only about a split second or maybe a minute. And it felt like it was a whole day he kept, I felt like, because I, I, I was so scared. And he went back into the hut and looked at his computer to see if there was any APBs or who I was or anything. And he yeah. couldn't find nothing. So he came back out and gave me my passport and says, uh, Bon Voyage, you know, All right. stay, have a nice time in Belgium. And when I we were driving, as we passed over the line into Belgium, we drove off, drove a little way down the road, and I told my friend, stop the car. And he said, stop it, why? I said, just stop the car. And he stopped the car, and I jumped out. And I jumped out and ran up in front of the car, got on my knees and kissed the ground because yeah. I was free. <laughs> and I got back in the car. He said, is that all you wanted to do? And I said, <laughs> I said, yeah. I said well, you, did, you didn't do what I did. You don't know how frightened I am. Mm. And he said, well, he says, uh, let's get to the, the, uh, wherever the docks were and get you over to England. So we got to England. And I called the guy, and the guy said, come to my apartment. I went to his apartment, and uh, he says, you'll have, to, uh, you'll have to get a nice little apartment to stay in. So he got me an apartment right across the street from the, the Beatles studio. All right. On Abbey Road. Yeah, yeah. Right. And uh, so I stayed there for three months, and he, he did get me some work in Paris, and he got me some work in... Um, place called Salon de Provence that's in France mm -hmm. and he got me some jobs in Italy while I was waiting for my papers to be uh, be uh, 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 worked on in the home office right so finally he said came to me and he said guess what you are now a resident of England he said and you can stay here excellent and I said oh wow well, I, I, it was like a load off my shoulders I said, thank you, thank you. And he he got me a job in Loot, a place called Luton. All right. At the, at the, a place called Caesar's Palace. Uh-huh. I never will forget it. And I said, oh, that's great. I said, who else is on the show? Because I thought I would be just an added attraction or added feature, you mm -hmm. know, just featuring Tommy Hunt with somebody bigger. Yeah. He said, you're the star of the show. Wow. I told him, I said, I can't do it. He said, why, what do you mean you can't do it? I said, I can't do it. I said, because the English people don't know me. Mm. I said, you, got, you can't put a, a, a nobody on a stage and expect people to come out and see a nobody. He said, Tommy, this is what you have to do. I said, I think you're doing this, you're starting off wrong. I said, I'm starting off, I, he said, I'm starting you off right. He said, I'm, I'm putting you at the end of the front because I know you can do the job. Right. I bet you were pleasantly surprised, weren't you? And I was more than that, more than <laughs> that. And another one of my scary times. And uh, and I went to this show. I went to do the first night. And the first night, is, I used to do a lot of dancing, mm -hmm. which I don't do now because I'm older. Yeah, okay. But, uh, but um, the singing was great. 
but I, I could do all those back bends and splits. And they mm-hmm. call it northern soul dancing yeah. now, but I was doing that years ago. Right. And uh, I started doing all of that, and the people really loved it. And uh, when I got off the stage, I started meeting English people. And I was I tried to be as kind as possible because I was uh, an alien in another world. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I had to watch my P's and Q's. I couldn't be like a typical American, like the black Americans in America. I couldn't be that way. I had to be something else. Mm. I had to be nicer. And that's what got me through all these years in England by talking to my fans and being a part of them. Excellent. Well, we've uh, fully appreciated it. Anyway. And it's nice to have you here. We love your music. And there's a beautiful track called Words Can Never Tell It from 1967. Now, you, you, you touched on the word Northern Soul there. 1975, yeah. you were invited to perform, to perform right. at Wigan Casino's second anniversary. Tell me about right. that. Uh, well, I, I'd heard about Northern Soul. People were talking to me, saying, Tommy, you need to be in the Northern Soul scene. I said, well, what's the Northern Soul scene? I'd, I've never heard of it before, because mm-hmm. I was doing all cabaret shows and stuff like that, and the Les Dawson show right. and stuff like that. And I said, well, what's Northern Soul? They say, well, actually, it's black music from the past, but it's not the A side, it's the B side uh-huh. that that the Northern Soul, that, 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 that's the rare mm-hmm. records. They like the B sides of the A sides that were hit. So I said, oh. So I said, well, is it soul music like what I used to do in the States? And they said, yeah, it's your music. It's the same music that you did, like Jackie Wilson. They started naming people. Yeah. And I said, oh, I said, oh, it's like the Apollo then. So uh, I said, yeah, I'd love to get involved with that. But I, nobody ever mentioned, you know, the stuff I was working like the Bailey circuits and um, the Bailey circuits and uh, the the what's this other, you know, more or less cabaret clubs. Right. Yeah. It, like there was one in Circus in Perfleet down right. around London. You remember that one? No, I've, uh, I don't go to oh. London very often. Oh. oh, well, you probably don't remember <laughs> all the, the Bailey Circuit. They had no. Bailey Circuit all over England. If you work one, you could work them all. Oh, right. And you, you could work, you could work at lit- literally at least about maybe 20 weeks out of the year oh, in right. just the Bailey Circuit. Ah. Because that's how many clubs there were. There was, they were all over England. I see. So once you did one, you could do the whole the whole circuit, mm-hmm. and it kept you working every week, which it kept me working. And uh, uh, that's how. Uh, so what was it like I performing at Wigan? I mean, Wigan is an iconic venue. It is to oh, to UK yeah. as uh, the Apollo as to well, America. You know, Adrian, like? when I first saw Wigan. I wouldn't get out of the cab. It's a dump. <laughs> it's That's a the first dump. thing I said. I said, I'm not getting out of the cab. I said, because if I go in there, I might not get out. <laughs> so the managers come out. Uh, what was his name? Mike Walker. Yeah. And Russ Winstanley, who now puts on the... The, uh, the, the Skegness Butlins Weekenders, yes. And, and sh- which you know in Skegness. Yeah. He, they came out together and they said, Tommy... Why are you sitting in the car? I said, I'm not getting out. They said, what, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm not going in there. They said, 
what are you talking about? You know, that's where the show is going to be. I said, look at it. They said, okay, maybe it don't look nice to you. And maybe you've been used to working. I said, well, I've, I've worked some, some crummy places. I said, but this is, the, <laughs> this is a number one. <laughs> and they said, oh, come on and get out of the cab. So I got out of the cab. They took me upstairs, mm -hmm. took me in the big room where everybody's dancing. And then another thing, I saw these bodies laying on the floor. Right. I said, I said, is this a morgue or is it a dance hall? They said, Tommy, they dance for a while, then they lay down and rest. Then they get up and dance some more, and then they lay down and rest. Yeah. And they had this white powder all over the floor. And I said, what is that, cocaine on the floor? <laughs> They that was in the toilet. <laughs> I said, because I didn't know. <laughs> and, uh, and then when they took me to the dressing room, I said, where's the dressing room? She said, there it is. It's like a nail on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, they know how to treat the celebrities, don't they? <laughs> Adrian, excuse me. I, I couldn't believe this. I said, all this good music and Everybody had so much fun. They had dressing rooms like this. Yeah. Well, I said, I, yeah, you, well, you just got to grin and bear it and get dressed. So I got dressed, went on stage, and it must have been about 2,500, maybe 700 people in wow. there. And was for, I think it was the second anniversary, yep. or the first anniversary, one of second, those Second, yeah. And I went out there. When they called my name and everybody went to screaming. Wow. That's what I said. Wow. Just what I said. I said, I don't believe this is happening. I said, this is not happening. I said, this is a dream. And when the, all the hands, if you've seen all the hands go up at the same time in the air, mm -hmm. it looked like a sea of hands. A sea. Wow. Crikey. I said, I don't believe this is happening. And uh, the, the DJ say this guy's going to take England by storm. I'm still waiting for the storm to come. <laughs> well, you did have a fair <laughs> amount of success off it, didn't you? Because you signed for a UK label, Spark, and released three tracks. That's right. That's and they, the, they all charted. Because of, you know who did that? That was Russ Wynn Stanley and okay. Mike Walker. Uh -huh. They said, do you want to record, Tommy? I said, yeah, I, I do want to record. They said, man, we got a song for you. I said, what is it? What is it? And when they first told me cracking up, yeah. I had told Roy Hamilton years before that. Right. I told Roy, I said, Roy, I'm going to do that song one day. When he first did cracking up, yeah. I said, I'm going to do that song one day. He said, well, you can do it now. Go ahead. I said, no. I said, no, I'm not going to try to step in your shoes. You're too good. Right. I said, but I'm going to do that song one day. And when Mike Walker in England, and Russ Winston, he looked at me and said, you got, it's a song called Cracking Up by Roy Hamilton. I said, you got to be joking. He <laughs> said that. Let's have a listen, shall we? Just hung up the telephone. There's the second of two great covers of Northern Soul Standards, Harold Melvin's Get Out, and before that, Roy Hamilton's Cracking Up Over You. Uh, Russ Wynn Stanley suggested you cover them, didn't he? Were you surprised? I said, you got to be joking. Yeah, it's said, fate. No, no, they said, do you know, you know the song? I said, no, it. I told Roy I was going to sing it. 
And they said, oh, my God. He said, then you must love the song. I said, I always did love the song. All my life, I loved it. Ever since I've been in the business, I loved it. Ever since I met Roy Hamilton and mm -hmm. heard him sing it, I loved it. And it, they said, well, you're going to have your chance to do it now, never thinking that I would ever, ever get a, get a name through not cracking up. I thought Roy Hamilton was the only man in the world that could sing that song. Well, I mean, yours broke the top 40 in the UK, didn't it? Mine broke through mm. broke through and got me top of the pops and yeah. so did loving on the losing side uh, another great track another great track yeah I, now i like that but i know it i i feel i felt it was a song that was stolen a little bit stolen okay it was uh, the love that's the love i lost you remember that one? yes i do uh, harold melvin that that's loving on the losing side mm -hmm. And I told Russ and Mike, I said, I heard that song before. They said, yeah, a little bit of it. It's the love I've lost. I said, I thought I heard it before. Mm. And they said, yeah, we bit of it. But we added our own touch to it and made it loving on the losing side. Right. And I you followed it up, of course, with... It to me. Yeah, you followed it up, of course, with One Fine Morning. That was another top you 40 You know what? Track. I love that song. Yeah. I love it. it is and nice. I don't know what happened to it or where it went or what happened but i always thought one one of my best records ever mm -hmm. was that one yeah it's sitting proudly on my shelf lovely record i, I lovely really record. put my whole heart and soul into that thing and i just couldn't i did it on top of the pop uh -huh. in fact it's still on people's computer they can see it mm. and i still think that song has a chance to make it if it's replayed on and brought up to date right I still think it's got some kind of uh, something there. Me too. Great record, Bursting With Energy. No, I think uh, next year at uh, Butlings for the Skagness thing, mm -hmm. I'm putting that in the show, and I'm also putting in uh, Never Love a Robin. Brilliant. Because so many people ask me to do Never Love a Robin, and a few people have asked me to do Human. Yeah. I didn't even know that was known over here. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, I never knew it. So you were still recording through the eighties and nineties, but then you turned your hand to uh, writing your autobiography. I mean, you've got a great story to tell. Did well, you? You know what? You know. You know what? Adrian? I was. I didn't mean that to be an autobiography. I was just writing memories. Just. I was just one day. I just started writing. I just thought I was just thinking about my family and uh, different things I'd done, and I just started writing. And I and I got to uh, uh, my my three sisters and how we were as kids and everything, and and all of these things. Believe it or not, all this all these things came back to me as if I were li reliving them over again. Yeah. I saw my whole life in front of me. That's why some people say your, your memory is amazing because I remember times, uh, months, addresses, streets, everything. I can see it. Yeah. And they say, you, your mind, how did you remember that? Because a lot of people can't remember today from tomorrow, uh, yesterday from today. Uh-huh. That's right. Some people can't go back a week ago. I, I think... I remember it all. Yeah. 
great. I mean, it's it's important to put it down to pen and paper as well, isn't it? So that everybody else can enjoy um, your life experiences. I didn't even know that was going to happen. Adrian. All right. T- somebody said, "Why don't you make it your autobiography? Why you've got about a thousand, thousand one hundred and something pages here, which well, a book is too big for that." They said they have to condense it. Mm-hmm. I said. Well, I never thought about making uh, any books about my life. I said, nobody wants to read about me. I said, I'm not that interesting. They say, you never know. Uh, well, I think you'll find so, you are. So the lady I was with at the time, uh, she uh, called some people, uh, publishers and stuff like that, and they said they would be interested in, you know, reading it. And uh, we sent her some of uh, the book. The, the papers that I wrote, they read it and they said, well, you got a nice story here. I said, can we, uh, can we uh, uh, work with it on, at this publisher? And that's how it became an autobiography. Brilliant. Do you know, where, where can people buy the book? Is it available on, on Amazon? Com- I know it's on computer. Right. You can find it on the computer. The okay. Um, in 2007, you worked with uh, A.D. Crowsdale of Kent Records, didn't you? You appeared... That's who I'm working with now. Oh, fantastic. So give him my regards. And there's The Pretty Part of You, which came out on A.D. Crowsdale's Horace label. A few years ago, you performed at his anniversary bash. And you uh, you performed alongside Winfield Parker and uh, Mary cousin. Love. Did, you, didn't know, you didn't know that, did you? No. Neither did I until uh, he found out. He found my father's my father's grave, which I never knew my father. Right. And he found my father's grave, and because, and he told me I've been knowing Winfield ever since I did humor. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he said, Tommy, he said, do you know that you and I are cousins? Oh, say. I said, what are you talking about, Winfield? He said, we're cousins. He said, your father was connected with my family. He said, we are, we are re- relatives. Wow. So I said, and we've been friends for years, me and Winfield never knowing. He didn't know it, and I didn't know yeah. it. Till I explained the story about my whoever my father was, yeah. you know what I mean? And, yeah. And because my mother told me a little bit, but she never told me who he was. Right. So, you know, it's a weird, weird story. It's a small world, isn't it? It's very small. So me and Winfield, we talk on the phone like you and me talk. I talk to him maybe almost every night. Lovely. Lovely. Yeah, he calls me. How's my cousin? He's co- he's coming over in March to uh, to um, to perform. He's doing a show in Spain. Oh, excellent! I shall have to go and have a look. I, I uh, he's yeah, made some great music. Great singer, great singer. You know, he's the first one to put out SOS that uh, Edwin Starr put out. No, I didn't. You know, he was the first one. Uh, uh, Winfield put it out first. Excellent. Fact, he just did a great song on "A Change Is Gonna Come." Oh, right. Yeah, a Sam Cook number. Yeah. Yeah. Another friend of mine, Sam. Oh, bless him. Gone too soon. Yeah, too soon. Absolutely. And when I found out about that, that broke my heart. Yeah, yeah. But he's a great singer. Another Chicago boy. Right. And now I just want to play both sides of the 45 you've just finished working on with A.D. Crowsdale, released last year on the Kent label here on New Neighbourhood and Lonely For You. Um, in 1996, you were uh, you were honoured with a Lifetime Achievement Award, weren't you? 
Tell me about Lifetime that. Lifetime Achievement Award and uh, 2000, I was put into the Hall of Fame with uh, with uh, what's his name from Queen, uh, Brian May. Oh, Brian May, yeah. Brian May's uh, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Uh, uh, who else? Simon of Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, yeah. Uh, who else was it? Richie Valens, okay. one, of the, one of the young boys from my time, yeah. who died with Buddy Holly. Yeah, in the, the plane, plane, yeah. And it's funny about that story, I was working with them the night before they no got way. killed the next day. I closed the theater with them, with the Buddy Holly, yeah. Buddy, uh, Buddy Holly, Richie Big Valens Bopper, and Big Bopper, yeah. Big Bopper and uh, Richie Valens. Yeah. And uh, we were all, we had a, a good, well, not a party, but like uh, some drinks before yeah. everybody left, closed, we closed the show and we, we all kind of had a party and then the guys left. And I remember Buddy Harley saying, yeah, I got to catch him plane or it was his plane or mm -hmm. some private plane. And Richie Valens wasn't feeling well. I think he had a cold, and he okay. was very, you know, down. He didn't want to go on, and he wanted to get some sleep. He wanted to go to the hotel. But Buddy Buddy Holly and Big Bopper said, no, you coming with us, and we're going out to the West Coast, right. and we're going to catch him. It was Buddy's plane, I think. Mm -hmm. And I remember Buddy saying, well, my plane is waiting, so uh, we'll all go jump in that, and we'll go to the West Coast. And the next day, they were dead. Yeah, who knew? So, um, you're still performing, Tommy. In fact, you've got some dates coming up, haven't you? I think, yes, I do. Um, yes, I do. I can see that the 12th of April, you're in Chesterfield. Then you're off to Ireland for a gig before coming back to perform in Boston Glider Dome on the 27th of April. 9th of June, Retro Festival Newark. 10th of August, Retro Festival Reading. 18th to 22nd of September, of course, that's Butlin's Northern Soul Survivors Weekender. 28th of September, Cliff Hotel, Great Yarmouth. 4th to the 6th of October, Thorsby Hall, Nottingham. Crikey, you're going to be a busy lad. Uh, well, don't forget, you can buy Tommy's autobiography. It's called only human and it's available from amazon amongst other places smashing right i think we've about covered everything have we i think so uh, the only thing we haven't covered we got to meet up again and have a drink together oh that'd be nice that'd be nice right well i'll tell you what i'll get myself across to uh, i'll see if i can get to cross to chesterfield and uh, we'll have a drink after the show definitely i definitely want to see you brilliant Thanks a lot for everything, Aid. Thanks for helping me. No. Thanks for supporting me, and thanks for being there for me. Thanks for the chat. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And uh, well, we got a lot to, more to talk about. Great. But we'll we'll do that face to face. Brilliant. Right, Tom. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and thank you again. Good night. Thank you. Thank you, and good night now.